0: It is Monday, October 10th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the week five Recap Pod. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. And back with me is my recap pod partner, Adam Krautwurst. Adam, thank you for making it back to join me this Monday. I know it's difficult to be both like a fantasy podcaster and an international crime lord, though.
1: <laughs> Man, that, that would sound exciting. That that, <laughs> that sounds very exciting, but no, thanks for thanks for having me back. I'm actually off of work today, which is which is nice, so I can really I can really lock into this uh, fantasy football stuff.
0: Sweet. And how did your teams do yesterday? Any particularly bad win? Any particularly bad losses? Or guys that came through that you weren't sure about uh, trusting heading into the slate?
1: You know, I that my my Nahim Hines T Higgins teams were just. I was so excited about Naheem Hines and then him getting crushed. Like he gets like what three touches in the first four plays like he's about to do really well and then you know t higgins last night like someone should be fired for for that for that nonsense but um uh yeah other than that teams did did pretty well um saquon stepped up there came back out in the end of that game there in london said i'm I'm not i'm not staying off the field unlike t higgins and came in and uh did, did did really well
0: those are the worst because you, you know, you go through everything throughout the week and let's say you recommend somebody and he plays the game but doesn't work out. You can at least look at it and be like, well, okay, did I get this wrong or is it hidden in his usage and it was just bad luck? But if you're like, hey, Teddy Bridgewater's a good quarterback to play this week oh, and he gets knocked out on his first pass attempt, it's like, well, <laughs> there's, there's the, you know, that's just – Football at that point, obviously we know that that's part of it, but it's it, that that's the one that crushes you for the rest of Sunday.
1: Yeah, and at least with Teddy, like from a mental, you know, mental perspective, like it happened on Sunday in the middle. Like naheem Hines, once it happens on Thursday night football, you're like my whole week is just jacked on that team. It's just storm sucks. clouds hanging over.
0: <laughs> uh. So we're going to go through Sunday's game-by-game action. We'll start with the Giants and Packers in London in the morning. And everybody's talking about this like it was a big upset, but I think it's really kind of the first revelation for everybody, which probably should have been week one, the way that they got beaten down. But I think it's really starting to reveal to everybody that the Packers are just not that good at this point. I think everybody needs to lower their expectations for Green Bay. That matters less for fantasy purposes than it does for real football. Um, On the fantasy front, the Giants, you know, remain the Giants. Daniel Jones had a season high in passing yards. It was 217 passing yards. Darius Slayton led the team in targets, catches, and receiving yards. It was an okay day for him, and absolutely nobody else really did anything of note as a receiver. Like, it was Saquon Barkley again, and then a bunch of guys that you should try to forget about as quickly as you can.
1: Yeah, the, the over under for Daniel Jones on passing yards I think it was like 180 or something. I under I wanted to take the under so bad, but I I just I just did, I did, I didn't touch it. But yeah, I mean, they're they're um their receivers obviously stink, you know, and Daniel Jones is doing the best that he can out there I f- feel like. You know, he's he's running the ball a lot, seven carries, and that doesn't include the actual scrambles that he had. But Saquon Barkley is a stud, 13 carries, Six targets. He would have had more if he didn't leave the game for, I don't know, maybe two two or three drives he, le- he left the game for. Um, It's so nice. Usually when guys leave the game, they're like, they're never coming back ever, <laughs> especially when he goes into the locker room. Like, all right, Saquon, we'll see you in a month. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Um, uh, But then to have him come back out and demand to come back out, I think did, did Brightwell score while Barkley was gone? I think he plunged in for like a, a one-yard touchdown. But um, so. which, which, which would have been nice for, for Barkley to have, but, but we'll take, uh, we'll take Barkley's RB 12 finish or RB 13. I think he was. And uh, he's a stud. You keep obviously we're running him out there, but the rest of the offense is just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Marcus Johnson led the
0: wide receivers in playing time and routes. Obviously, that's not somebody you're using. The whole situation is the only reason that Kadarius Tony is even still worth talking about. I mean, he's been out the past couple weeks with hamstring issues. He's certainly not somebody that you need to hang on to, as we've been saying for weeks now. But he is in one of the very few situations in the league where if he just gets healthy, then there should be opportunity because the giants absolutely need, I mean, they're four and one. So I'm sure that they're happy right now with how things have wound up. But I would also bet that they're not like, yeah, we're, this is working great. We don't need to fix anything. They need some big time receiving upside. And Kadarius Tony is like, the guy with the ability to change that Wandale Robinson as well. He should be back at some point relatively soon from his knee issue. So I think both of those guys are stashable as long as there's a roster spot to play with, to do it because there is room for either of those guys to turn into, you know, the top target getter on this team that needs receiving upside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wandell and Tony, like you said, Tony, the only reason you're holding him is because this receiving core is so bad. Um, and, you know, and Jones looks Okay. I mean, he just has no, I mean, the receiving core, that's going to be the worst receiving core, maybe the bears that you're, that you're trotting out there every single week. I mean, he, there's not much, he, he can, he can do it. The Packers obviously have, have, have a good defense too. So um he did, he was fine for what they, for what they, they gave him, but uh, yeah, they, they got to get some of these receivers healthy on the Packers side the receivers are
0: kind of playing out the way that they do Randall Cobb was the big guy yesterday i mean that's I, we shouldn't expect that to be a change i think that's just the kind of thing that's going to happen we know Aaron Rodgers likes Randall Cobb i think the biggest thing to take note of is that AJ Dillon's playing time was way down yesterday he's been between 51 and 58% snap share each of the first 4 games yesterday it was just 32% he had 6 carries in that game zero targets I, I think we have to see if, if it happens another game before we worry about it. But it's at least something we now have to factor into whether we use A.J. Dillon in week six, because you look at the Jets matchup, and you think, OK, it should be a good spot for both of these running backs to get playing time and touches. That's what I thought heading into the game against the Giants. I thought A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones would each yeah. be at least fine to use. It was only Aaron Jones that was fine. And, you know, we saw the offense didn't do anything special anyway.
1: Well, plus Aaron Jones just looks so much better than A.J. Dillon does. I mean, A.J. Dillon looks good when Aaron Jones is hurt and they're playing in a foot of snow. Like, that's when you're like, yeah, you know, and generally that tends to be at the end of the year, you know, leading into the next fantasy season. Like, oh, next year I'm going to go get A.J. Dillon, and then he's just nothing without a massive lead in the game. And and newsflash, they're not going to play with many leads because – they're not, they're not very good. They're, they're the same Packers team they've been for three years, but they don't have Devontae Adams to bail them out on every single play. So now he's throwing 12 targets to Randall Cobb. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? Lazard, Dubs. But we knew this going into the year, right? We knew that they weren't going to have receivers. They were going to struggle to score. They were going to win in defense, and they're two, two running backs. And when it's not working, um, the running backs are really going to struggle. I would have liked to have seen Jones get a couple more targets too, only three. In a, in a game, I know they weren't playing behind the whole game or anything like that, but still, the game was the game was close there in, late in the third and the whole fourth quarter. But he just looks so much better than AJ Dillon. so I would continue to start Jones with confidence. I would not start AJ Dillon with confidence, but again, with all the running back injuries, uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's room for him out there. But any of these receivers, I mean, I guess Dobbs is could be something down the road here, but right, right now, um, it's just it's just not working. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Dobbs is in like wide receiver four territory. He's going to have weekly upside. I think Alan Lazard is in the same kind of territory. Randall Cobb's going to pop up. But I mean, even yesterday, he was third among Packers wideouts in playing time. So don't consider it any kind of change. It was just that kind of game that's going to happen when you're talking about a receiving core that has zero studs. I would love to not have to rely on Packers offense. But, uh, you know, it is what we've talked about it to this point. Bills, Steelers up next. And I barely, I should barely mention the Steelers because this was really a one team game. Um, And we know, we knew going in that the Bills were probably not going to have much trouble in this game. It's not shocking to see Josh Allen put up huge numbers. It's also not shocking to see Gabe Davis make big plays. 98 yard touchdown, 62 yard touchdown looked excellent while doing it. I, I think that it's important to kind of put it in context, and it was a positive overall for his usage. He saw both a season high in target share, 19.4%. If we look at just Josh Allen pass attempts, because Case Keenum t- came in late in that game and took over the last bit of the game for Josh Allen. Also a season high in targets per route for Gabe Davis. He went 13.2% in that particular category in week one, then 86 73 18.2% yesterday against the Steelers. So the question I think is how much is, of that is the ankle that cost him some time might have limited his, it didn't limit his availability the two games before this one, but maybe it limited how well he was running routes, how effective sure. he was. In the field. tough to know about that or how much of it was missing Isaiah McKenzie, missing Dawson Knox. So I would say yesterday was the kind of game that you hoped would happen uh plenty of times with Gabe Davis. Not that you expect the two long touchdowns, but you expect the decent target share, almost 20%, and the big play capability for him.
1: Yeah. Both Gabe Davis kind of smash games week one and week five yesterday were kind of like a story of like Gabe the truth Gabe Davis truthers cheering the fact that he's good and whatever. that cheering the fact that they drafted him. But also on the other end, you know, the, the Gabe Davis haters are like yeah but he only saw six targets or even i think week 1 he might have seen four targets and scored or something like he doesn't see a lot of targets but this just goes to show you like you know targets in general are worth almost three times more than carries Josh Allen targets are worth almost three times more than anybody else's targets <laughs> six targets from Josh Allen makes you wide receiver 1 on the on, on the week you know so you know, a 98-yard touchdown catch helps. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was definitely the, the, the ankle. You know, I'm obviously locked into the Bills games every week, and he just – they weren't even running him on those type of routes, those deep crossers, those deep posts, because he just didn't – he didn't have it in him. Now he's had it in him with the ankle. I think he's back. Again, six to eight targets is probably what he's going to see week in and week out, but that's fine, six to eight Josh Josh Allen to targets. Um, He's obviously startable every week moving forward. You should have been starting him anyways – um, whatever he, whenever he's active, cause you know, unless he's going to pull a T Higgins, uh, he's going to be out there get, getting, getting Josh Allen targets. So yeah, Gabe, Gabe Davis is fine. He's their, He is their, their big play guy. Um, and so it would have nice to have seen Isaiah McKenzie in, in the offense this week, but Shakir and Hodgins did, did just fine without him. He's Mike Williams. Gabe Davis is Mike
0: Williams for the bills. He's going, yeah. there are going to be weeks where you start him and you get one catch for 15 yards. And there are going to be other weeks where you get four catches for 140 and two touchdowns. And you just have to live with that. That's what you drafted in Gabe Davis. So you're happy with what happened yesterday. Nothing really changed what you should expect going forward. Um, elsewhere on that bill's offense, Devin Singletary Uh, Leads the backfield still, but I saw an interesting note from Pro Football Focus's Nathan Janky on this 76.4% playing time for Devin Singletary so far when the Bills are tied or trailing 51.4% when they're leading. I don't really understand why the Bills would play Zach Moss or James Cook more when they're ahead other than maybe when they're way ahead getting James Cook some more opportunities just to get used to the NFL game so we'll see if this remains a trend I think the positive for Devin Singletary is he's still the backfield leader the negative is this team is not going to spend a whole lot of time trailing so if this is really how they plan to operate and how they continue to operate it's bad news for Devin Singletary's playing time and touch counts going forward.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I think they're going to play in some closer games where they where they win. Like I'm like week one or sorry week two, they blew out the Titans and didn't play their starters the last quarter and, and a half. Yesterday they didn't play their starters the last quarter. I mean that game was 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 over at at halftime. So I think they've two games so far. They've won by so much that they're just not playing you know which which is I think the smart thing to do is you know don't bang the Devin Singletary when you can put in the backups now I don't know why Zach Moss is on the team anyways Zach Moss is is horrific um and then you see that James Cook touch, touchdown run that was against Pittsburgh starters on defense and he he looked like he was shot out of a cannon Comes right up the middle, gets one-on-one with Minka Fitzpatrick and just runs around him like like he's not even there. That's what they drafted James Cook for, and hopefully that's what will lead to more kind of uh, script-independent touches for James Cook when he can get in there when they're losing, when they're winning or whatever. But he's definitely the most explosive player on the team. That's what we've been looking for out of him. But Singletary, I think they've just been in some weird game scripts where um, it's you know, it says he's not in there when they're winning, but that's because a lot of times they're winning by 30 and they're just not, and none of nobody's in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should take Devin Singletary out if you're up by 35 for the entire second half. So, right. I, I mean, Devin Singletary probably climbed too high in our week five rankings based on what we already knew he was in an offense that just doesn't want to rely on anybody in the backfield. He's always going to be a guy who might do well on touches, might get. Touchdown opportunities in an offense that's moving the ball and scoring a ton, but he's also going to be a low ceiling guy. So we'll consider that risk as we decide whether to start him going forward. On the Pittsburgh side, they ended up with plenty of passing yards 327 yards for Kenny Pickett, most ever for a Steelers rookie quarterback in his first start. Um, 6.3 yards per attempt though. So a lot of that was him throwing a whole bunch of passes. So it's nice that they did feel comfortable enough to throw a whole bunch of passes. Nice that he did spread the targets around. We got Deontay Johnson, 13 targets as the lead target for these guys. Chase Claypool had nine George Pickens third with eight targets. So George Pickens came away with the best receiving numbers, but Let's make sure we keep it in perspective. Realize he was third among Steelers in targets and really didn't see a jump yesterday versus previous games in the rate of targets per route.
1: Yeah, he's just so good. I I can't I I can't say it enough. He's he's one of the top receiver. I mean, he gets open by by knocking defensive backs over like that. There was a play yesterday where a guy was playing, trying to play bump and run and Pickens just threw him and then ran, ran a drag route and was was wide open. He's just, he's so, so good. But again, without an injury, he's not going to really be able to hit that ceiling. Uh, but I do think like from watching the game yesterday, I know it doesn't show from the scoreboard, but you know, the game was a little bit closer at the beginning, than it seemed. You know, they muffed the Steelers muffed the punt early on, which gave the Bills kind of back-to-back possessions there. But Pickett looks like he can move, run the offense, and the Bills have the like probably the best pass defense in the in the entire league. I mean, we're talking they're they've got no starting defensive backs out there, and they still. It's hard, really hard for t- for guys to get open. The Bills haven't had a really a bad game on defense yet all year, so I think this is a tough game to really judge Pickett, but he looks like he he can move the team. He looks like he knows the offense, and he's willing to sling it d- downfield. So I do like what Pickett can do at least make these these weapons a little bit more consistent. But Frymuth was, not, was knocked out with, with with a head injury. Um, later, later on in that game, but yeah, I think you're not starting Claypool, but I think Pickens has some upside obviously Deontay Johnson, if he's going to see 11, 12, 13 targets every week, you're, you're obviously starting him.
0: Yeah. Pickens would be my second guy in among these Steelers wideouts because we've seen enough of chase Claypool to know that he's just, he doesn't feel like doing everything as well as he needs to, to maximize his talent. And we like that. Heading in, we heard Steelers coaches were encouraging Kenny Pickett to throw the ball downfield. That can only be good news for George Pickens going forward. And as you said, the matchup is not going to get much worse than Buffalo your first time out. So we like the yardage, like the targets going around, like the confidence in the new quarterback. Um, There will be usable games from these Pittsburgh receivers going forward. Chargers 30 Browns 28 in the next one another huge game for Austin Eckler another two touchdowns here obviously we can't expect five touchdowns every two games from Austin Eckler but the usage was good clearly led the backfield in rushing uh, monster yardage on his team leading rushing attempts did plenty in the passing game scored there as well 15 more total snaps than Joshua Kelly, just five more routes. So I'd like to see more separation versus Joshua Kelly than that, but it's tough to complain when Austin Eckler is coming off a 16 carry four target game.
1: Yeah, he was, he was so good. He was excellent. He was our uh, RB one with 36 PPR points. Um, i not even, like you said, they, he didn't even have that, that many touches. He also got sniped by Kelly at the goal line or like the four or five yard line and a touchdown. He also got dragged down on like a 70 yard run. Eckler did it like the three, of course they can't, they can't get it in um, there either. But, um, but yeah, no, Eckler was awesome. And again, with a guy that's, if I'm an Eckler owner, I don't, I don't want him with 25 to 30 touches. I him right in that little, like 18, 18 sweet spot there maybe 13 14 carries four or five five targets that's that's where, where i want him so that he can hopefully stay stay healthy but uh, but kelly kelly looked good too i mean they, they got him involved he was he was good in the passing game he was good we running the ball so they were i think kind of m- matching the browns tit for tat there with your run game versus my, my run game but uh but yeah eckler's eckler's a beast and Sonny Michelle only played two snaps in the game. So Joshua Kelly
0: is the handcuff guy to own right now. If you're looking to have one of them, you know, we would like to see Austin Eckler getting a larger share of the routes, a larger share of the goal line stuff. But I don't think it's quite to the point where you can say he's a sell high because how many running backs can we really trust to get that many, opportun- that many opportunities and be in that strong enough? Right, right, exactly. On the Brown side, David Njoku, three straight games now, a five-plus catch is an over 70 receiving yards, So he's become somebody we can go ahead and start every week at a, at a position that just doesn't have that many such guys. The running back opportunities, Nick Chubb, 18, Kareem Hunt, 14, more of what we've come to expect between those guys. And then a rebound game for Amari Cooper. So Adam, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of new from the Browns offense, just kind of. Um, affirmation of the guy of what we already thought of the key
1: guys. Exactly. That's what I had in my notes. Like Chubb was Chubb and Hunt was Hunt. You know, like they were just, they were good. They were doing their things. Uh, it's nice to see Amari Cooper. You know, the guy kind of has been lost in the shuffle the last couple of years, injuries, all this type of stuff. He's he was wide receiver 10 yesterday, had 12 targets. Good for him. Um, you know, but the Browns offense looks, looks, looks good, looks, looks fine. Um, you know, when they get Deshaun Watson back later in the year. I mean, Brissette threw a horrific interception late in that game when all they had to kind of do – I mean, scoring a touchdown would have been great, but all they really do is kind of run the clock down and kick a field goal. And then uh, then the Chargers try to give it back by going for it on fourth and two with their own like 45-yard line with a minute left. Like, what are these guys doing? But, um, but yeah, no, there's not much, not much else to say. Mm-hmm. Texans 13 Jaguars
0: 6 and there's not a whole lot to say about this game either because of how crappy Jacksonville was so I I said last week that I was throwing out the results from that game at Philly because it was rainy and there were a goofy number of turnovers, but it's now definitely time to throw it back in because uh, the Jaguars got another two interceptions from Trevor Lawrence in this game against Houston, 286 passing yards seem like it's good. And you could say it was just unlucky to throw a couple of picks, but at 6.1 yards per attempt, he, ass- he attempted 47 passes. So that's not a great passing day. Overall. Um, I, I headed into this past week thinking that Trevor Lawrence would be fine and the Philly game would look like an outlier. Now I have to adjust that and consider him outside the top 12
1: until he proves otherwise. Yeah. He should have, this was a, a, a smash spot. I mean, kind of, you know, you thought that the only reason he wouldn't smash is if they were up by so much that they were just running the ball a bunch, but yeah, he wasn't, he was, he wasn't great for, for sure. I'd like to see them kind of get him out running more, get him outside, outside the pocket, but um, it just has, it just didn't happen there. And we finished, you know, quarterback 20 on the week, which is not, which is not great at all. Um, cause I, I, I definitely started him two. Um, but yeah, the offense, when they're not running the ball great, the offense is struggling for, 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 sure. Christian Kirk had had another, another dud. Um, I was just, I have an Ingram live a little bit here, right? For 42 routes run 10 targets. You know, that's always, that's always nice to see. He probably had his best fantasy day today, but. Um, Yeah, the offense has has been struggling over the last couple weeks. Yeah, just
0: three targets for Christian Kirk. He did still lead the wide receivers in playing time. It's not a real concern there. I think it's just going to be a wide receiver core that's not clearly tiered every week. It's going to be Christian Kirk more often than it's not, but it's not like an every week Christian Kirk. Kind of thing. 11 targets for Marvin Jones in this one, eight targets for Zay Jones in his return. So, you know, things kept getting spread around. Those guys are the top four in playing time. So we should expect them to be the leaders and, you know, just know that it's going to fluctuate uh, at times given in a given week. On the Houston side, the offense went run heavy, 31 rushes versus 25 dropbacks thanks to a close game throughout 6-6 until they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to take over. 26 carries, 99 yards on the ground for Damian Pierce. So, I mean, my concern for him heading into the season was even if he leads the backfield, I don't know that the team is going to rely too heavily on a guy who was never the guy in a college backfield clearly the Texans are like Damian Pierce is much better than any other running back we have we're going to give him the ball as much as we can maybe that wears him down late in the season but for now uh, we can ride it
1: yeah I mean he and he, he looks so good the only thing I don't like about you know the way his running style is he's just I feel like he's, it's going to get hurt he's he's crushing people he's running them over he's jumping it's like oh my gosh this guy's about the Get his arm ripped off or something, but for now, hey, we'll ride him 26 carries for 99 yards. You know, he's not even, he didn't average for four yards a carry. Jaguars have a solid defense. Uh, five targets though. I mean, he's, he's, he's a workhorse. He's a must start every single week. If, you know, in, in negative game strips, he's good against team. Well, even against teams that they're supposed to lose to I mean, they're supposed to lose to every, every team that they, that they play. So, um, so don't, don't rely on that. But yeah, Pierce looks, looks awesome. Uh, Burkhead sell less targets than Pierce. So you'd love to see that if you're a Pierce owner, Burkhead three targets, Pierce had five. So yeah, uh, Pierce is, is, is a stud. They love him. Um, keep, keep riding the hot hand and running
0: more routes than Burkhead. So it's not just a fluky thing. He's getting more work in the receiving game. So yeah, that'll help him across game scripts going forward and looking at the matchups the rest of the way there. I think there are really just three potentially really bad spots. And, you know, any game can turn into something different, but looking at it now, we got week nine against Philly. That's probably going to be a mismatch based on the way the Eagles are playing week 14 at Dallas. That defense has been tough. The offense should have had Dak Prescott back for a long time by that point. So that could be a lopsided game. And then Kansas city in week 15 has that potential as well. Otherwise, Like, I don't look at games and think, well, Houston's going to be way out of this one, and that could affect the amount of work that Damian Pierce gets. So he looks good for now. I will say that given the offense is not good, that hurts his ultimate ceiling, you know, not in an individual game kind of thing, but the rest of the way. Like, if he operates as a workhorse... In this offense, the rest of the way, there are going to be games where he's just limited because there's not enough else on offense. And there is the chance that he gets run down because he was never a 200 carry guy in college. So there is still some sell potential on Pierce. He's absolutely not the kind of player, though, that you just like, I need to get rid of him for whatever now before it, it implodes more of like, I'm doing pretty well at running back. I really could use something at receiver. Pierce is the guy that you can move for that kind of help.
1: Yeah, and you could probably do it too. I mean, most people, I mean, I guess towards the end there, people were taking him in the fifth round, but a lot of like early Pierce drafters, you're able to get him in the ninth, 10th, 11th, later than that. So he's probably your third or fourth running back. And you could probably do with, uh, with, with trading him if you need receiver help.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Vikings 29 bears 22 on the bears side. We had David Montgomery come back from his injury, reclaimed control of this backfield. Khalil Herbert barely made a peep in the game. So David Montgomery is the guy we're using going forward. Khalil Herbert remains uh, rosterable, but it doesn't look like we can use him as long as David Montgomery is healthy. And then like maybe the bigger note for the bears is that Justin Fields life wasn't terrible for him yesterday. 15 to 21 passing 208 yards, one touchdown, no picks a, a full on Daniel Jones performance in this one only took two sacks though, which is probably the most surprising thing of all.
1: Yeah. He, right. He, and he looked good. Some deeper dropbacks, looking down the field, pushing the ball down the field. I got another team with no weapons for him to really, to really, to really work with, but he was, he was running well. He had, a, he had a, um, a long run, not, I think it was 20 yards or so ca- called back for a holding, which would have added to his, to his uh, fantasy appeal there. But, uh, But yeah, they were, they were in the game. They probably would have won that game if it wasn't for the fumble there at the end. So, um, but yeah, nice, nice to see fields put up a, uh, a pseudo startable week. Yeah.
0: Not quite usable for fantasy yet. Not, not supporting any pass catchers to help us, but you know, let's take a positive where we can uh, (laughs) with this pass offense on the Viking side. Dalvin cook, 94 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. So absolutely nobody's complaining about that, but it is worth noting that he seeded receiving work again to Alexander Madison. It's two straight weeks that he's done. So And this time, he actually ran fewer pass routes than Madison. Now, maybe that is the team helping Dalvin cook deal with the shoulder injury from a couple weeks ago. Maybe that's something that changes as he gets further removed from it. We'll have to watch for reports on the shoulder. Maybe the shoulder is just something he's going to be dealing with all year. But, you know, that's an aspect to watch, especially for when they get into less favorable rushing uh, situations.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And, and again, in this, this day and age, man, keep these. You don't want 30 touches, you know, or 30 tar- touches plus targets for a running back. So they're, they're not going to last, you know two targets you want more than that 18 carries great you know uh, 16 and 4 would be would, would be awesome cuz targets are worth more but fine he gets through the game he scores once or once or twice um so yeah i mean as long as it's to keep Del- Delvin cook fresh he's going to be cooking there um kirk cousin starts the game at 18 of 18 <laughs> which is just unbelievable looks locked in justin jefferson scores a touchdown late in that game scored one on the first drive or second drive but it was called. He was called down because referees hate fun and hate fantasy points. Uh, they look back. Oh, maybe his shin grazed. That's like whatever. And then Cook vultures the to touchdown. Um, uh, but yeah, no, they were, you know, every, the normal cast of characters were, were were doing their thing in that in that game. And Jefferson is unstoppable when they when they want to force it to him. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was just crazy for Cousins to start the game, eighteen of eighteen, and then they're losing in the fourth quarter of that game, which is just wild. Jefferson also the highest rated passer among Vikings in this game. Yeah, one, there you go. One
0: completion for twenty three yards to Dalvin Cook. What a throw! <laughs> a guy can do anything. <laughs> All right, I don't have anything else from that game. What about you?
1: No, the only thing I had was um, uh, late in the game. David Montgomery had an amazing play. It was like second and nineteen with like the game on the line. He, he catches like a five yard pass and somehow gets the first down. Uh, and he was going to be the hero of the day until that fumble or the strip on the very next play. But Montgomery looked like he had a little juice to him.
0: Yeah, he's a good player. He's never going to be a great player, but he's, you know, certainly a good player. And that's why, like, that's worth knowing for if you're hoping Khalil Herbert is going to become a standalone value on his own. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. David Montgomery Montgomery is not a superstar, but he's good enough. And he's always going to be a coach's favorite. Yeah. Patriots 29, Lions 0. It turns out that this Lions offense is not a world beater, uh, despite what we had been led to believe. Damian Harris on the Patriots side, hamstring injury. So we're going to have to watch that. But obviously those are the kind of things that can be nagging and recurring. It's huge if you're a Ramondre Stevenson um, manager. Uh, Stevenson is usable, obviously going forward. You know, we already considered these guys usable. Stevenson's going to be an every week starter if Damian Harris misses further time. So I have to watch where that goes. And then Jacoby Myers was the other emergent guy yesterday he's all the way back from his injury or at least all the way back enough that he can be their only usable receiver again and apparently jacoby myers does not care who's playing quarterback for him
1: right right i mean jacoby myers if he's gonna play like that and get those type of you know he got eight targets on 21 routes run i mean you know he scored scored a nice touchdown he's he's startable if the if that's what they're gonna if this is how they're gonna use him and they're gonna make him I mean the the receiver with the next most targets after him was Tyquan Thornton with three. Now again they just ran. This was a boring game. I, both teams were just run run running the ball, um, running game and defense. So there's not going to be uh, games where both teams where he where the Patriots are going to be able to run like that. But that that'll be even better for for, for Jacoby Myers. We'll, we'll see more targets. So uh, so yeah, Jacoby Myers is startable for sure. Stevenson looks looks really good. You know he was the best running back on that team R- regardless. And so uh, is Ty Montgomery coming back soon? Is he, or is he done done? Like, I feel like he was in the four week IR and I think he might be eligible to come off soon, which would be uh, maybe bad for, uh, for the routes or for the, for the targets for Stevenson moving forward. If Damian Harris is out, but Stevenson will still get, get his. And I think um, he's obviously an RB two moving forward. Um, but as far, as far as as the Lions go, I mean, Goff, Be- Belichick has Goff's number all the way back back to the Super Bowl. Like, Goff can't do much with uh, with, with with Belichick's defense. But they also had no no Swift or Chark. You know, I think on, Jared Goff's number is publicly listed. By the way. <laughs> well, listen, he's had he's had a, he's had a good year, and he's had a couple. He's had some good years, uh, even in his best years. Uh, Belichick has had his number. So, but uh, I'm on Ron I'm on a pitch count too. So this th- this was not the Lions' best. Uh, best offense as far as p- personnel. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just a, just a forgettable game for them. Yeah. Belichick,
0: by the way, says he does not expect Ty Montgomery back to practice this week. He is eligible to come off IR. So we'll see okay. beyond that. Certainly fire up Stevenson for week six, and we'll see about Damian Harris's status in the running game. On the other side, Jamal Williams remained the lead carry guy. But he fell a third among Lions running backs in pass routes, 17 to 5 in favor of Craig Reynolds in that category. And then Justin Jackson even ran one more route than Williams. That would be a bigger concern if we weren't now heading into a week six bye, on the other side of which DeAndre Swift is expected to be back. So, you know, we knew that Jamal Williams was a short term fix, we knew that he was not yeah. a given to dominate in any given week. So this is one of those blips that I think ultimately doesn't have much long-term impact, but we should keep it in mind for the next time DeAndre Swift goes down, because that's probably going to happen again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, nothing to really worry about. I mean, like you said, they're going into a bye week. Swift will be back after the bye week, and it'll be kind of back to normal the way it was before he he, uh, he went down. And as you mentioned, Amon Ross St.
0: Brown returned from his ankle injury, but less than half of his usual playing time was fourth among Lions wideouts in playing time, trailing Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, and Tom Kennedy. He was targeted, though, on 37.5% of his routes. So clearly when St. Brown is on the field, they're like, oh, we got to try to get him the ball.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, uh, yeah, he's still still got that massive target share. Uh, so at least, at least they tried to get him involved on like, T Higgins. We're going to do a little shot game this morning. Every time we scream about T Higgins, we're going to uh to take a shot, but yeah, it was uh at least they got him and him involved a little bit to get some fantasy out- output. Seahawks lost to the saints,
0: 39, 32 in a total Taysom Hill game. And, <sighs> This is one of those where I I kind of hate the Taysom Hill impact. I love it right now because we were all deciding on who to play in a flex spot on one of our main event teams yesterday, and it was Taysom Hill over, like, Alexander Madison in an u- ugly situation. And Yeah, I mean, you and I both leaned Taysom Hill there. It was a pretty easy call because it's like nobody here has upside, so let's take Taysom Hill. Nine carries for 112 yards and three touchdowns a 22 yard touchdown pass on his only pass attempt of the season so far. And that that's this guy just defies logic or projection or anything. He's allegedly a tight end, but he has one target for the entire season back in week one before this game. He had four, three and five carries in his previous three appearances. So like every week, I think I'm probably going to get questions like, should I pick up Taysom Hill? Should I bid on Taysom Hill? Should I start Taysom Hill? The logical answer is no, because The way that he's getting used should not be producing fantasy points, but the way that he has always been used and performed defies logic. So you just can't use the same system for deciding whether to play Taysom Hill. So my answer to anybody who's wondering if you should pick up Taysom Hill or use him is like, yeah, if you feel like it, you got to realize that there are going to be games where he touches the ball once or twice. There are going to be games he does absolutely nothing, and then there's going to be another game where he has one carry for 78 yards and a touchdown. It's there's there's no pattern whatsoever. So you're going to have to decide what you want to do with it.
1: Yeah, I am the owner on the like. So Jared sends us that Jared Spola sends us a screenshot of Hey, we need to pick one of these guys to start. Like half of them weren't even active. It's like all right. Well, I guess we'll go uh, to, to Taysom Hill, but I think it—you know—having Andy Dalton be there as the starter was kind of what what made it much easier of a selection. Like I think when Jameis Winston's healthy, I don't think Taysom Hill gets the type of work. Like that's why it was kind of exciting yesterday because he could play some quarterback as Andy Dalton stinks, um, you know, and he could play running back and he played receiver. I mean, it sucks for Kamara. It's a yeah, like you said, he's a he's a tight end and tight end premium scoring. He was the number one tight end on the week and he didn't catch a pass (laughs) so it was like oh we'll, we'll take it we'll take it but he's they they need to involve him more I mean he's such a weapon why would you not I mean look look what he can do like Jameis Winston's fine okay with a healthy like when you've got everybody healthy there all the receivers healthy all the running backs healthy Taysom Hill would probably get less work but when you don't you know, it's like, man, let get, look, look, look what he did. Look what he did. So he needs to be more involved for sure. But again, from a fantasy perspective, you know, uh, even if he gets eight touches, are you going to start him with an, an eight touches? Like, no, you're, you're you're not. We just, if you started him this week, you got you got lucky. But at least the thought process was there behind why you started him.
0: He did play, uh, he played a season high snap total and snap share against the Seahawks. Obviously, I mean, that's the other note is the Seahawks are awful on defense. So it's an upside matchup for everybody. His his, uh, playing time, though, was pretty close to what he got in week one. 16 snaps was 26% share in week one. He played 23 snaps yesterday, but that was a 30% share. So pretty close there. Maybe we'll see that kind of usage going forward. He was 20% in week four. I don't see why it would be different when Jameis Winston's in there instead of Andy Dalton. I mean, that Jameis Winston can throw downfield better, but I think overall they're comparable in their level of quarterback competency. So I would think that they would use Taysom Hill, a similar amount going forward, but you know, we're all guessing we'll all see. So that's, that's the rub is, you know, if you're going to ask, should I use Taysom Hill? My answer honestly is I have no idea. He could do absolutely nothing for you. He could score two touchdowns for you this Sunday.
1: Right, right. And and another note for the team, um, Kamara looked looked explosive. He looked awesome. He got vultured by Taysom Hill a couple times for touchdowns, but he looks great move, moving forward. Um, and Alave looked awesome too. They were really forcing the ball to him. Um got a concussion on that touchdown con- I'm surprised they called that a touchdown I mean that was that was I've seen much clearer touchdowns that they've called incomplete but he'll probably miss a game I would think he looked pretty he looked pretty bad there on that concussion but um he looks awesome when he, he's back and healthy so um kind of the usual suspects there as, as well. Yeah,
0: um, he's worked into
1: being a 30 plus percent target
0: share guy. So Chris Olave is going to be startable once he's back. We should still probably assume the players are going to miss at least one game with a concussion. We'll obviously watch his progress because that has not been a given even over the past couple weeks since the Tua tonga situation. Alvin Kamara, it's definitely a positive for him, even though we would like to have seen some of those Taysom Hill touchdowns go his way. He came back for 23 carries versus nine from Mark Ingram. He had a team high tying six targets in this game. Of course, he caught all six of them for 91 yards against the garbage Seahawks but you know we love the usage Um, so we comfortably start Alvin Kamara going forward the tight ends are worth noting the actual tight ends Adam Troutman (laughs) just about even with Juwan Johnson in offensive roles at this point there was still a slight edge for Juwan Johnson in routes the past two weeks Adam Troutman ahead in total snaps and even in targets and that really means that we just can't use either guy in nearly all fantasy situations
1: yeah, no, both are, both are un- unstartable. They didn't even want to really get him involved. So um, you, you got to look elsewhere. Geno Smith. I <laughs> would have thought that we'd have to look elsewhere. I mean,
0: so here's the thing on Geno Smith, even Pete Carroll, you could tell by his quotes about the QB battle heading into the season did not want Geno Smith to win it. He kept saying Geno Smith is still ahead, but every time he talked about it, he was like, I think Drew Locke just needs time. He needs experience and it's, it's, It's not coming to fruition. Geno Smith has been excellent. 75% completions this year, two plus touchdown passes in four of his five games. He's got a 5.4% touchdown rate in his time with the Seahawks. So we did see a little bit of it last year. It was easy to say that's a small sample. We can't really glean much from that, but he was high in touchdowns there. He was low in interceptions there. That has continued so far this season. Um, Both of those numbers still much worse for his career. So you know, maybe we're still in small sample territory, but we at least have to entertain the possibility that Geno Smith is just like older now, smarter with the football, wiser in his decisions. And he's also clearly working with the best pair of receivers that he has at any point in his career. Having Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf is definitely going to help any quarterback.
1: Yeah. He's looked, he looked awesome. And I'm not, it's not even like the decision-making that impressed me yesterday. It was, he was making throws on the run he would he would roll to his left flip his hips and th- threw a dime down the sidelines like he looked he lo- he's never looked at this this good he looked really really good and his, his even his mechanics look a little different like the way he's throwing his deep balls um you know you know Aaron Rodgers kind of has like that jump when he throws the deep ball uh Gino did that a, a couple times where he had a little jump I wonder if he worked in the offseason season on the mechanics but he looks he looks really really good 40 yard touchdown to lock it 35 yard touchdown to lock it both of them were dimes you know so having these great weapons having a good run game like a threat of now the old line isn't great but the threat of the run is has been great um you know RIP Rashad Rashad Penny again but uh Kenneth Walker looks looks explosive so this 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 the Seahawks offense is looking good I appreciate the QB
0: mechanics breakdown from local right. indoor football quarterback legend, Adam Crowtworth. Indoor, outdoor.
1: Okay. It's indoor, outdoor. <laughs> I didn't mean to limit you. Come on. <laughs> I didn't,
0: I don't know as much about the outdoor portion of the, That's right. of the career. Um, yeah. I, Gino Smith, it's definitely time to start giving him credit and start considering him much more strongly as an option. And over the next four games, he's got two matchups with the Cardinals, which have upside. They're at the Chargers in week seven, which we would have thought would be a downside matchup, but the Chargers have not punished opposing quarterbacks to this point. So we should consider Geno Smith usable there. And then the Giants in week eight. We got a revenge game storyline there, Adam.
1: That's right. Uh yeah, no, he he's he's more than you usable for for sure. You know, especially because their defense stinks, right? So he's gonna be in shootouts probably. So um I would say rushing upside, but he only, he only ran the ball once. So I don't think he necessarily has that, but um, but yeah, no, he looks, uh, he looks good. And compared to, you know, guys like Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones and Brissett, like you're definitely starting to move over guys like that.
0: Yeah. Why bother scrambling when you've all of a sudden turned into Drew Brees? You mentioned right. shot Penny's done for the year, broke his leg in that game. Unfortunately, Kenneth Walker promptly ran for a 69 yard touchdown. So, I mean, he's going to be somebody that we're more likely to start going forward. We'll see exactly where he settles in the rankings because, This hasn't been a great situation for running backs. Rashad Penny is, you know, last week, not this past Sunday, but the Detroit game before made it look better than it really is, but it hasn't been an awesome situation for running back work. So we'll, we'll evaluate how many touches we can expect for Kenneth Walker in a given week, but it certainly is a huge step for Penny to be out of the way to help Kenneth Walker absorb more of whatever the backfield allows him to get.
1: Exactly. I think I, I, I would be kind of excited to start Walker with it, with the offense looking good now. And if he can just get like half of what Penny's leaving behind and all of what he, he was doing, I think he, he'll, he'll be fine. He was a forget. Like he gets lost in the shuffle of the preseason. He's on the Seahawks who we all thought stonk and the line stinks and Rashad Penny's there. He was a, an amazing college running back. Oh, he can't block. He can't like you hit, put the ball in his gut and let him run. He's a really good running back. So Let's see how, how how this pans out. Uh, stuff like this tends to tends to generally work out in, in, in the running back's favor. So we'll see if Walker can be an RB2 uh, the rest of the way. It's a good day if you had Kenneth
0: Walker stashed on your roster. Yes. And if he's available in any leagues, he should be 100% owned um, after Correct. this week's waiver runs. Jets 40, Dolphins 17. A surprising result, I uh, guess, you know, losing Teddy Bridgewater after one snap to a concussion and elbow injury will help there. Um, It makes it tough to evaluate anything in the Miami passing game. Obviously we have to watch the foot injury for Tyree kill, but you know, otherwise we're just going to have to watch and see what quarterback is healthy and when. So the bigger note here, I think is Raheem Mostert dominating backfield work in this game. And not only that miles Gaskin moved ahead of chase Edmonds in usage in this contest. So Raheem Mostert looks like the guy going forward and chase Edmonds looks droppable to me.
1: (sighs) Yeah, I know, man. Like, I would say, yes, Edmonds is droppable. But if I saw Edmonds on the waiver war, I'd be scooping him up. You know what I mean? Because we'd be playing the, the, the other side of the corner. we like, oh, Mostert's going to get hurt. I wouldn't drop Edmonds because Mostert gets hurt every single year. But for, for now, I would. I definitely wouldn't start him. And I would definitely be starting Mostert's almost a, a must start, um, especially once when, once Tua gets back and the offense gets back to where it was before. Um, so, yeah, M- Mostert's the guy. He, looked, he looks good. You know, he was a former San Francisco guy coming over with the head coach. So uh, definitely don't hesitate to start Mostert or moving forward.
0: Yeah, I always hesitate to make blanket statements like drop this guy, pick up this guy, because there are leagues of varying sizes, varying roster setups varying levels of right. seriousness. So I do not consider Chase and somebody that you have to get rid of now for whatever is out there. I'm not dropping him for Caleb Huntley this week, for right. example, but If you're sitting there this week like, "Ah, I don't know who to drop from this roster to pick up somebody that's actually going to help you, I think Chase Edmonds is somebody that you can certainly consider um, droppable.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, my rule of thumb is never drop a running back and always add running backs because they are always getting hurt. I mean, Tevin Coleman was RB eight this week. Like yeah. it's just so stupid. And he's an injury. He's a, he's a, uh, an injury, a, a sprained ankle away from being the starter in San Francisco next week. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I would hate to ever drop a running back. That is an NFL. You can, you can drop Zach Moss cause he stinks. But like, <laughs> other than that, every other running back is capable when, when given the opportunity. Brees hall
0: is definitely capable yes. It's annoying that Michael Carter vultured two touchdowns from him yesterday, but Brees hall worked as the clear leader in the backfield at this point, which is all we ever wanted. Um, we got also more carries of Brees by Brees hall near the goal line than Michael Carter on the season to date. So you look at yesterday's game you're like, yeah, but what if Michael Carter is stealing touchdowns from him? It would be insane even for the Jets to say, yeah, Brees Hall is going to be our starter, but we're going to go with the smaller guy more often than (laughs) the goal line. So that's not going to be how it works. The way it's going to work is Michael Carter is still involved enough that he's going to be annoying at times. It's going to be, I don't want to say Jamal Williams because he's bigger. So he could be the goal line vulture versus DeAndre Swift, but it's going to be that level of where they're sharing, um, where it's Joshua Kelly, I guess, probably versus Austin Eckler. So it's going to be annoying, but Brees Hall is clearly the backfield leader he is a starter for sure uh weekly going forward.
1: Yeah, so much of so much from Michael Carter being the life breath of the offense like the coach <laughs> said like before the season started. And one of those vulture touchdowns was like a 60-yard catch and run by Brees Hall where you know they probably thought he's an elite a- he's an elite athlete. He can't he's got probably winded after one 60-yard run. So now we have to pull him out and put in Michael Carter, but you see that happen all the time where a running back will go for a long huge gain and then they shut it out. You know, so that, that's all that was that, you know, that, that, that's why that one got vulture. but Brees Hall's a stud. We've been saying this since the, since the preseason, he was the number one running back drafted, great college p- player profile, you know, um, the best running back on, 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 the team. And if Carter ever misses a week due to injury, Hall's going to be our RB one. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's super exciting to see Hall finally, finally get going here. Tough to really glean much from the passing game in this one.
0: Zach Wilson only attempted 21 throws. All of the top three wideouts got four targets. Three other guys got two targets. So not a whole lot to take away from that. I'm trying not to use Jets wideouts if I can help it until I see a specific reason to. Um, CJ Uzama matched Tyler Conklin in playing time and ran five more routes in this game, which is terrible news for Tyler Conklin. It's not enough to say... Uzama is the guy, or that they're even going forward, but this was already like a low floor, low ceiling situation. So, I, Tyler Conklin's another one of those guys, similar to Chase Edmonds, that is droppable this week if you need the roster spot.
1: Yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to be tight end three forever. You know, Uzoma was in, injured a couple of those weeks. So, Uzoma's back, it's tight end by committee. You know, look elsewhere for your for your tight end work. And I'm super annoyed. You're gonna be mad at me, but I'm super annoyed that Corey Davis is just hanging around, getting more routes run than Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, getting targets in the end. I mean, three targets a piece for the three receivers. It's so gross. But like, uh, listen, Corey, you had your chance. You're a top ten pick. You didn't pan out. Step aside and let the let the young bucks get running here.
0: Yeah. No matter if the coaches tell you to go out on the field or not, or <laughs> step aside. You're not getting paid a whole bunch of money to go out there and play football. You jerk.
1: Oh, so annoying. I
0: mean, this was always the argument for Corey Davis is uh, they're paying him money. He is a former first round pick. They're all going to be a lot closer in opportunities than anybody really wants them to be.
1: Yeah, no, and I wasn't a big Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson guy, but like, once you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, Garrett Wilson's awesome. And then the three targets, it's like, Oh, what are we doing? Let's get Joe Flacco back out there. <laughs>
0: yeah that's why this offense was always the as long as you're not overpaying it's fine to take a shot on any of these right. guys They're all talented um but it's still the jets and it's a crowded situation bucks 21 falcons 15 a, a result i'm very happy about because i bet the falcons plus nine uh, heading in so i was worried when that score was sitting at 21 nothing i was very happy to see atlanta score points but obviously the officials um did oh. their part by making sure that tom brady did not go down in the comeback victory
1: I mean, since since we've been on the podcast, I think they called it Three More Roughing the Passers on Tom Brady. What a horror. I didn't I didn't see it live, but then you know everyone's tweeting about it. I go and look at that. I mean, listen, I'm a Bills fan, so I'm not you everyone's acting surprised. What are we doing here? This is this has been Tom Brady's life for 30 years. Just and he tries to trip the defensive lineman when he gets up. Brady trips the guy. It's like, oh, this is so stupid. But yeah, anyways, they uh they pulled it out. It was a it was an uncle. Uncle Lenny game, Uncle Lenny week. And um it was a, it was an ugly game, but they 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 pulled it out. Jerome Boger's like, it's Tom Brady, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> right.
0: Uh, Falcons side, the backfield was led by Tyler Algier. Didn't dominate, but did lead 39 snaps to 17 for Avery Williams, 16 for Caleb Huntley. Routes Algier led 19 to 8 for Williams, 6 for Huntley. Williams got the only two targets, but it was Algier running more routes than either of the other two guys. Algier led in carries 13 versus 8 for Huntley, 3 for Williams. Williams got the only TD there. So, I think. Avery Williams comes away looking like a bigger piece than he really was. He primarily got the two minute drill type stuff for them. So that's similar to JD McKissick in Washington. I don't think it's going to get to the point of being a usable amount of touches for Avery Williams. It's going to be annoying for Tyler Algier, but this is not somebody that we were depending on for real fantasy value, especially in this matchup here. And again, for this coming week's matchup against San Francisco, I think Algier belongs on rosters in most cases, but if you were or are expecting big things, then you're, you need to change your expectations.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know who uh, would be expecting big things. I mean, there's nothing really to see here. I mean, it's a three headed backfield with three below average running backs on a team. That's not going to be running the ball a lot, you know, um, because they're going to be behind most of the time. So yeah, I would like you said rosterable but certainly not 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 startable. And he, well, I mean he will be usable cuz we talk about how
0: bad the running back situation That's true is. by
1: weeks and stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like he's probably going to be consistently in the range of like RB 27 to 35 in our rankings. That's the kind of guy, you know, right. it's at a level where you can use him. Maybe he'll get a lucky for a touchdown at some point. Maybe he will get the targets thrown his way if they're not in the two minute drill, but certainly not a great situation um, for running back or anybody's upside really. So, The other, the next guy to talk about is Drake London. Mm. There was a slight limitation on his playing time. He still led the Falcons in targets as he has been consistently. But Drake London had his lowest snap rate of the year in this game. He trailed Alameda Zacchaeus in routes. Um, It's tough to know how much is the knee injury. I don't know exactly when he left this game in the fourth quarter. I know he came away with a knee injury. It sounds like he didn't even go into the injury tent. So I don't know if it really was a factor here. I think the biggest factor is that Arthur Smith... Seems bent on making sure that he doesn't maximize the physical skills of anybody in his offense.
1: He's elite at doing at doing that. You know, they open up the game. There's a an eight-yard out route, easiest pitch and catch you ever saw to Anthony Furkser. And I'm like, Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, so easy, just like it looked like Dalton Schultz, you know, you know, just plodding along for eight yards. Like, why don't we just do or like um, you know, all the all these tight ends and just get these easy Higby, Tyler is another one just. Five yard out after five yard out, it's three points every time they catch it into add Premium. It's like, oh my gosh, you know why can't we do that with Kyle Pitts? Because maybe he'll break one and to take it eighty yards. So, anyways, um, but yeah, he he just he loves not using his his players. Now London did have a twenty-five yard catch called back on on a holding penalty early on in that game too. So uh, he did lose lose a little bit there. But yeah, I, I don't know if there's an injury involved. I don't know if he tries to like hide his best players and use them, you know, at certain times. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, but I fired him four weeks ago. So I don't even know how he's still out there coaching.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Drake London is going to keep being somebody that we can use. going to keep being somebody that frustrates us because Atlanta is just going to be a frustrating offense. I mean, if if there's a coach that can't maximize Kyle Pitts right now, then you just trust him to not maximize anyone else. Drake London is worth noting that, uh through the 17 years of pro football focus data, he is the mm. only rookie wide receiver with 30 plus targets and a receiving grade above 80. So that's or through um, the first four weeks of the season. So that's why Drake London, somebody say, yeah, I know he let me down last week, but I'm going to go ahead and plug him in this week. Obviously, it depends on who you're comparing him to, but we will elevate him above what the situation dictates because of how well Drake London's playing so far. Yep. On the Buck side, they're up to a 67-33 pass-run split for the season. Um, I would expect the pass-run split to not be quite as drastic as the past two weeks, especially last week against the Chiefs, but they've been the most pass-heavy team you know, overall, not just looking at neutral situations over the past couple of years. So I would expect that to continue. You mentioned a big day for Leonard Fournette. That overshadowed that there was still a good bit of playing time for Rashad White, who was close in – like closer – In total snaps and routes to Fournette, then certainly the um, carries and targets would tell you, but also versus the first three weeks of the season, he was a lot closer to what last week's usage was.
1: Yeah, I think what you're seeing out of Rashad White is just that they Brady's starting to trust him, the team's starting to trust him, and that's what you wanted to see when you took Rashad White as, like, Leonard Fournette's handcuff, right? he's still just a handcuff right now. He's an elite handcuff, but, like, I think he finished, like, RB39 in the week. Like, he's not he's not really startable outside of an injury to Lenny. So, um, but still, roster him, you know, be, be ready for when Leonard Fournette misses a game because this shows you they're willing to use him in the passing game, um, and they're going to run the ball. So if if, if Fournette goes down, Rashad, Rashad White will be a plug-and-play. Yes, should be rostered everywhere that that's possible because of
0: that reason, um, but not going to be a, a true standalone option when Fournette's healthy. And the passing volume, of course, is just going to help everybody available as Kate Otten's usable week five showed you yesterday.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kate Otten, man. I had so many, uh, you know, I man, I have so many Kyle Pitts teams. Kate Otten was on my radar for for guys I should I should, I should pick up and start, but he didn't, he didn't make the cut seven targets yesterday. Did I know
0: a PPR game.
1: So absolutely. Uh, anybody better, anybody it's better than Kyle Pitts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Titans 21 commander 17. So here's what to like and dislike about Robert Woods, 32% target share against Washington, solid eight looks for the game caught four of them for 37 yards. So, Limited player at this point in his career, very limited situation. The only Titan to crack forty receiving yards in this game was Nick westbrook akine and it took a sixty-one yard catch to get him there.
1: Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more of Robert Woods. I had him as like a sneaky starter here. I, I I plugged him in for some for some receivers that were questionable. I didn't know if they were going to play, and, but um, yeah, I was a little disappointed. Thought with the Commanders' weak secondary, he could do a little bit more, but it was just another. Another Derrick Henry week. So, um, yeah, you really just want to avoid <laughs> avoid these guys. If if you can, avoid the, the, the passing game completely. Dontrell Hilliard,
0: second in targets with five. Not sure how much we can do with that. He has seen four-plus targets in three of his four games. 31% pl- playing time each of the past two weeks. So that's nudged up versus where he was in the opener. But, you know, still not. A standalone um, player in most weeks, in most cases. He's taking some passing work away from Derrick Henry. We should expect that going forward. So, you know, Dontrell Hilliard, somebody that's going to pop up every once in a while, not somebody we can use in most cases.
1: Yeah, a, ha- a solid handcuff again. He gets a lot of the receiving work um, for them. Five five targets, 17 routes run. So Hilliard's rosterable for, for sure. Um, I'm interested to see though, because Haskin is more of the, I saw Haskins more of the Derrick Henry mold when it comes to, to the running game. So I wonder if Henry went down, if Haskins would get a, would get a massive bump and Hilliard would stay as like the kind of the pass catching back. But um but we'll see. hopefully Henry d- doesn't go down. But Hilliard is definitely r- r- rosterable. Yeah, Hilliard would certainly get more carries if Derrick Henry went
0: down, but I don't think that he's the direct replacement that Rashad White is for Leonard Fournette in sure. Tampa Bay. On the Washington side of this one, again, five games in a row now, Curtis Samuel led this team in targets. So he's somebody who should be in lineups pretty much every week. Fine usage and output for both him and Terry McLaurin in this game. They were overshadowed, of course, by Diami Brown stealing both touchdown passes from Carson Wentz, including a long one. He still worked fourth among wideouts, even with Jahan Dotson out. It was Cam Sims as the third wideout. So Deami Brown's not anybody we should be picking up in any formats this week. Maybe dynasty if he's available there, but it's it's Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin as the usable wideouts for
1: Washington. That was a sick catch though by the Amy Brown. One-handed tuddy. Oh, that was that was un- unbelievable. But uh but yeah, no, you're not you you can't really start him week in and week out, you know. McLaurin and Samuel fine again. Just another disappointing disappointing outing for for Terry McLaurin it looks like it's just not going to happen for him this year with all with all the different they're they're spreading the, they're spreading it around i mean he was a fourth fifth round pick in uh, in fantasy draft so it looks like um he's kind of busting so far Brian Robinson
0: might be busting out soon but that's going to be a muted bust out in this offense third among Washington running backs in playing time in this game nine carries though to 3 for Antonio Gibson so of course the Washington coaches are like yes there's somebody we can hand the ball to besides Antonio Gibson who we hate um, Gibson also trailed JD McKissick in total snaps and routes. So I hope that you really tried hard to trade Antonio Gibson before this week, because at this point he's now just a handcuff in a bad running game.
1: Yep. That's what, uh, we kind of, we're hoping, you know, Gibson was okay for us for three, three weeks. You know, I mean, after, um, we knew Robinson was going to be out for a, a little bit, but now we're back to, where we were before the season started, right? We're like, okay, it's going to be Brian Robinson's backfield eventually. Gibson's thirteenth uh, round pick and a handcuff to Brian Robinson and McKissick getting all the pass the, the passing work. So, uh, yeah, i I'm a, I would think as soon as even next week, Brian Robinson would be would be the, the lead dog. Yes,
0: it's definitely coming soon. Antonio Gibson's playing time has fallen every single week this yeah. year, and only one of those included Brian Robinson. So it's, it's there, it's been there in front of us. 49ers 37, Panthers 15, and another game that went exactly how we figured that it would. I wonder if we get addition by subtraction with Baker Mayfield hurting his left ankle to kind of help things along. But he's if he's not. out, it's gonna be PJ Walker <laughs> starting, so it's not like we, we DJ Moore holders, can rejoice and expect big numbers. Yes, we can.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're, Baker Mayfield. They can't even. They're they're designing plays for DJ Moore, and the ball is getting spiked back into Baker Mayfield's face because he's five foot eleven. Like PJ Walker might not be tall, but at least he can maneuver in the pocket and throw the ball. Like anything is better than this for 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 DJ Moore. I bet DJ Moore everywhere yesterday because I'm like, there's no way he he can kill me. There's no way his his ceiling is like sixteen points. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, anything is better than Baker Mayfield for DJ Moore. Baker Mayfield belongs. He's a he's a career backup from today moving forward. He stinks. So I would just you know anything is better than that for put DJ Moore at running back uh, or at quarterback for, for that matter. But at least he got eight targets. At least he saw more than Shy Smith uh, this 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 week because they swapped numbers or something. So I always think it's it's DJ and I'm always a little let down. <laughs> but um uh, but yeah no we need we need a little spark here moving forward. Christian McCaffrey was uh was good again 54 yards and a touchdown, seven catches, 50 receiving yards. So not the ceiling that we're used to, but fine. I did
0: get asked on the Draft Sharks Discord this week, which by the way, you're welcome to come join us on. Um I got asked if DJ Moore is droppable now. I can't say that he isn't. He's not somebody that I would be dropping for whatever at this point, but he's also not somebody that I can say no, you can't drop him for that other guy this week because the breakout is coming. I have absolutely no reason to predict a breakout. He's somebody that I would rather hold on to in case things turn around with a different quarterback. But I mean, there's nobody spectacular that's walking through that particular door
1: this season. Right. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing, uh, Larry Bird's not walking through through that door, folks. Okay. There's no <laughs> Kevin McHale's not walking Robert Parrish that door. is not walking through Robert that door. Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. I mean, I don't know when um uh yeah, who knows how long Baker Michael's gonna be out for, but it does it just doesn't look good. Uh, you know what? Firing the coach might might be might, might be a kickstart because he is horrific. Yes, but I fight I I already fired him, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> You know who is
0: walking through that door is Jeff Wilson Jr. Continues to run the San Francisco backfield. 17 carries, 120 yards, one touchdown on the ground against the Panthers. And he even lost a short touchdown to Tevin Coleman, who had eight carries of his own in that game. Um, Coleman beat jeff wilson three to two in targets but it was still wilson leading in routes so we don't have to worry too much about that aspect we know the niners are never going to just use one running back for everything so have to be happy with jeff wilson's role have to be happy with the way they're performing and what's available to him debo samuel quite a quiet yardage day but led the team with nine targets and did manage to touchdown catch so even even in his crappiest of games he's not gonna leave you uh hanging as a fantasy manager
1: Right, right. He definitely didn't didn't look. Uh, Debo didn't look himself, and the, the offense didn't didn't look themselves. But um, but yeah, Je- Jeff Wilson has been such a nice little you know you could start him every single week. RB two, kind of flex flex play. I think it was RB seven overall this th- this week. So um, he's he's been fine, you know. Which is why I don't understand why people were dropping Elijah Mitchell after the injury because he's going to be back week. You know, eight, nine, or ten, and when he's back, I think they they like him better than Jeff Wilson. And Jeff Wilson's and Jeff Wilson's RB seventeen on the season. Like, great, fine. You're starting him every week, and so when, when when Elijah Mitchell comes back, if he's available, if Mitchell's available on your waiver wire, go pick up Elijah Mitchell because we'll be back eventually, uh, week nine or so. So, um, go go get him because he could be a, a, a league winner down the stretch. But uh, because the running game is just so good, I mean, like is it Tevin Coleman was like an RB eight. It's just the offense is just ripe for running back P- production. Um, Debo only saw two carries. Like I said, I think he was a little bit banged up. I think he had like a, a right arm issue going on, but he wasn't himself, but he did score. Thank, thank God. He also had a big drop over the middle of the field. is was wide open, and Jimmy stepped up and hit him on a – which could have been a could. I mean, knowing Debo, could have been a 50-yard touchdown, but uh, he dropped it, which was, which was pr- pretty bad. He might still be running right now if he had caught it. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that once everybody's back healthy, we're going to be looking at like 13, 14, 15 uh, carries leading the backfield every week, but certainly a usable spot for everybody. I agree with stashing Elijah Mitchell, um, if possible. Eagles 20 to 17 over the Cardinals. The Eagles escaped with this one. We got Miles Sanders back to earth versus his usage in week four. Uh, career high 27 carries in that one. This one saw him get 15 carries, three targets. That's a good day. And that's what we should expect from him going forward. It'd be especially nice if we get those targets um, on a regular basis going forward. Somewhat limited passing day for the Eagles. Devontae Smith led the way with 11 targets, nine for Dallas Goddard, seven for A.J. Brown. It's not a change. That's just what's going to happen when you have three talented targets leading this um, pass catching core.
1: Yeah, and that was one of my concerns going into the year was kind of being down on a lot of the Eagles just because of the the quarterback that's a, kind of a run run first qb at least heading into the year and all the different weapons i mean goddard had a great great game but yeah aj brown devonta smith it was like a devonta smith week right 11 11 targets to six for aj brown you just never know um what what week who, who it's going to be miles sanders is my the guy in my life where i never start him on the right weeks i'm always uh, he's like almost like a like amari cooper to me where you gotta like start him every week and just take the duds because um i I didn't start him last week and he smashed and this week i started him and he was not you know jalen hurts two rushing touchdowns from the half yard line and i don't it's co- it's competent coaching. I'm not I'm not mad about it because I would do the same thing if I had the ball at the half yard line. Why am I turning around to hand it to Miles Sanders when I can fall forward with it, with it with a very athletic quarterback? So I get it. But that's the knock on Miles Sanders is he never doesn't really break long ones. At least he hasn't in three years, and he's not getting he's sharing the goal line work with with an athletic quarterback. So it's just going to be tough with Miles. I mean this this is a game. The Cardinals defense is terrible. You would have thought one of these guys could could have smashed and in the and in the end it was just um it was just Jalen Hurts with the, with the rushing scores. I just had to go check cuz there's one league where I have Miles Sanders and
0: Jeff Wilson and last week I started Jeff Wilson over Miles Sanders and this week I just checked to make sure and I definitely did start Miles Sanders over Jeff Wilson so <laughs> of course I'm making gotcha. sure I'm trying to keep the streak alive of getting that absolutely <laughs> wrong every single week. <laughs> On the Cardinal side of this one, we had 10 targets apiece for Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz. That's what we expected. Eight targets for Rondale Moore, caught seven for 68 yards. No other Cardinal drew more than five targets. And he was near even with Marquise Brown in playing time ahead of number three, A.J. Green. So we like that he has immediately taking on that kind of full-time role. There was barely any Greg Dortch yesterday, just two total snaps. We got one more game now before DeAndre Hopkins is eligible to return. And then we finally get the full picture of what this Cardinals passing game will look like. The only thing I know of for sure that we can rely on here is that Cliff Kingsbury is going to fail to maximize it.
1: Yeah. He's another clown show. Uh, Kyler Murray only three carries, and that's that's what's killing me with Murray. Like I never thought he was going to be some, some uber efficient passer or anything like that. Like you said, Hopkins and really why well, I was high on Murray because the second half of the year when whenever everybody's back I me, mean, Rondale Moore looks looks explosive. Marquise Brown's been great this year. He looks really good. He's made some unbelievable plays. You know, he had the, his his touchdown catch yesterday was insane. Caught a little slant over the middle, made like two guys miss and scored right up the middle of the field. It was really good. So the wep- the weapons are there. Um, They got to get Kyler Murray running more. I mean, he only had three carries and like, I think two of them were on their last uh, drive of the game. So I don't really know what's going on there. They're they're just out of sync. Like you said, it is is the coaching, but hopefully when they get Hopkins back and their full array of weapons that they should be clicking on on, on all, all cylinders. Breaking news, by the way,
0: Matt Rule did just get fired by the Panthers. So clearly Carolina fired is watching him. the It, worked. Today. You it worked. You need to talk more about Arthur Smith the rest of the show. But yeah, so Matt Rule's gone. <laughs> Defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes uh takes over. Um Wilkes, I think I think he had one year coaching the Cardinals right before. I think I think he did, yeah. Um, So, you know, we'll see what the difference is there. But getting Matt Rule out cannot be a bad thing because he has <laughs> not seemed like a good fit at endpoint.
1: I feel so bad. Like, what if someone was doing a podcast about my job and they're like, Adam got fired, Adam Kravitz got fired today. Like, yes! Adam got <laughs> fired. <laughs> I don't want to celebrate it, but it's good for DJ Moore. That's all I'm going to say. It can't be bad. It can't be bad. Yes. It cannot
0: be bad for the fantasy outlook in Carolina. Um, getting back to Arizona, we had a rib injury to James Conner, knocking him out of yesterday's game. Daryl Williams also left that game with a knee injury. So Eno Benjamin finished up as the backfield against Philly, if those two guys remain out, we could have Eno Benjamin as workhorse for week six against that Seattle defense that basically lets you do whatever you want to do. Yeah, no, I I I completely agree there. So Eno you know, Benjamin's a pickup this week and we'll see how things sort out with the other two running backs. On to the Cowboys 22 to 10 takedown of the Rams yesterday. And Adam, the Rams' offense is broken. Cooper Cup is broken. obviously a god. Tyler Higbee is one of three survivors in the tight end apocalypse. <laughs> and Sean McVeigh is actively trying to keep his backfield from being usable in fantasy leagues.
1: They look so, like they said, they just look so bad. Now, they faced a couple really tough defenses, but still they just look they they don't know what to do right they're throwing they're throwing weird kind of routes to to they don't even still know how to use Allen Robinson by the way they signed him to a 3 year deal like and i refuse to believe that a guy who's made the pro bowl consecutive multiple times with the worst quarterback play you could ever have just got bad at 28 years old coming to la I just don't, I won't, I won't buy it. So there's something the offense in and of itself, it's not like the offense is smashing and Robinson isn't involved. It's all it's all it's all broken. So they gotta figure out what's what's going on here. I mean, right now Robinson's now falling behind Bennett Squaronic, uh is in the in the in the backfield or sorry, in the receiving core here. So we'll see. They they gotta get something going. Cooper Cups, obviously an absolute stud weekend. Week out, Higby absolute stood. I'm starting Tyler Higby in like the flex for non PPR. I'm sorry for non tight end premium leagues because he just 10 10 plus targets every every single week. So uh, continue to start him with confidence. But yeah, the backfield's a mess. Um, Daryl Henderson gets zero carries. K. makers gets 13 carries and one target. It's just <laughs> it's just a mess. And they're not moving the ball down inside the five where they can get touchdowns. So. I don't know They're Hopefully they'll end up figuring out or knowing McVeigh, McVay. They'll just trade for a stud that comes in and fixes the whole thing, but I don't think they have any picks left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be different if things were working and we were just frustrated, but it's not working right now. So I, I that's probably the good thing is that there's no incentive for Sean McVay to stop tinkering. There should be incentive right. for him to figure out how to get all these talented pieces working together. It's I, I think it's probably most frustrating for the backfield because it should be a situation that gives us at least usable um, fantasy value, you know, most of the time. Uh, but we got 13 carries from Acres, we got one target from him, we got no carries from Henderson, five targets from him. Like I've I've seen Brandon Gibson run the ball more often than Daryl Henderson, I think, in the Rams games that I've watched. We had Henderson lead Acres 25 to five in routes. So, you know, it's a backfield where you don't want to use either guy, and we'll just see where the offense goes. Dallas's offense. You know, they want to use it as little as possible. So, I mean, it's CeeDee Lamb is the guy we know we can start because even when Dallas only attempts 16 passes, he's got eight targets, a 50% target share in this game. Only caught five balls for 53 yards. But, I mean, we'll take that when your offense throws the ball 16 times. Tony Pollard made himself known yesterday with a 57-yard touchdown run, but otherwise he had just seven carries for 29 yards, um, four routes among the 19 dropbacks. Uh, So it's Tony Pollard is not somebody that you can start. He's somebody who you can get mad about when he scores a touchdown on your bench.
1: Right. Well, Pollard was a guy yesterday. I was forced to start in some spots and I was so the fact that he scored, I I leapt off the couch because it's like, those are always the best when you're forced, like, Oh, I got to start this guy. And then he gets, you know, eight, eight carries and one target and he ends up scoring a touchdown. So, uh, expected fantasy points were low in that game for a guy, for a guy like, like, like Tony Pollard, but he's just so much I mean, Zeke Elliott. I'll give Zeke Elliott this. He's the most efficient, beautiful runner for th- three yards you will ever see. It's never more than three yards, but the vision and the footwork are flawless as he falls forward for three, three yards, get him off the field. I mean, this team, no quarterback p- handing the ball to Zeke Elliott, tw- you know, 22 times a game and they're winning. And they're winning, and they're winning. It's just so annoying because that's another coach that's a that, that's a big dummy. But uh, hopefully, once they get Dak back and this offense can get rolling, and we can be excited about starting these guys again. But right now, it's so hard to just to, to start. You really can't start Pollard or Zeke, you know, or anybody else for that matter, except for CeeDee Lamb, who ended up still with ten fantasy points on only seven targets, or maybe maybe a little twelve fantasy points on seven targets. It's just so tough. You just imagine
0: the coaches on the Dallas sideline after the Tony Pollard touchdown being like, yeah, do you guys, do you guys know that Tony's that fast? I don't know Tony's that fast. <laughs> but how do you, how do you not give that guy the ball a little bit more often? Like they were talking about it entering the season that they were going to pump up his receiving role and that's not happening good for on, whatever reason, because nothing else is going on. It just doesn't make sense. Those are the, like, there are plenty of times where I'm like, I don't know as much about football as that guy. So we'll just see what's going on. But then they do stuff like this. And it's like, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you not no. getting with this? Why are no, you running man. 19 times with abs guy when you could just give like five <laughs> more carries to Tony Pollard and hope that he's going to break
1: one of those. Like he just did. And like, we've seen him do in the past. Matt, the difference between you and most NFL coaches, like Matt rule is they knew somebody that you, that you, that you didn't know these coaches, all of them need, uh an analytics department that has a fantasy football player on it that's all they need and someone that just sits on the sidelines eating a bag of Lay's, and just goes you have tony pollard like every five minutes just that's all they're going to say they're not going to call the play they're not going to tell you what to do. just 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 reminding you 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 have kyle pitts you have dj moore just remind them because these coaches are they just think they're smarter than they are that we're not going to say that We're not calling the plays. Just reminding you that your best players are sitting on the sidelines while Zeke Elliott pukes forward for three yards. It's just, it's so stupid. Mike, I can just imagine
0: Mike McCarthy. If this kid tells me about elusive rating (laughs) one more time, I'm going to spit out my
1: uncooked steak. I don't even even know. I don't even need to know elusive rating. I have freaking eyeballs in my head. Like, I don't know. I I just know Tony Pollard is awesome and Zeke is not. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones that get me too. It's like I, I
0: get if you've been coaching for a long time and you can't wrap your head around going for it in a particular fourth down situation because the computers say it's the optimal. Sure, path. but right, right, I I can't get if you're a football coach and you're like, well, why should we give Tony Pollard the ball more when oh, we have Ezekiel
1: Elliott? <laughs> so stupid.
0: All right, let's move on to the Ravens and Bengals, the Sunday night game to close things out here. T Higgins allegedly took part in this game, but left very early, aggravated an ankle sprain. We're going to have to watch the progress on that. And then with him gone, even only Jamar Chase and Hayden Hurst topped four targets. So it was really a disappointing performance for the Bengals offense. Yeah, what a gross,
1: gross night for for, for football. Um, But Higgins didn't even look like... Late in the second half, he's standing next to the coach, helmet on, like they're at the five yard line. He's like, he's it's like he's ready to get into the game and go. Like, I can, I, you know, so he didn't sound like he was in you know, a walking boot on the sidelines, helmet off. He was looked like he was ready to play, helmet on, ready to go in the game, ready to be called in, and they didn't. So I don't know what I don't know what would happen there. Maybe they're just playing it smart with him, fine, but that was just brutal zero points. On so on so many rosters, but um, but yeah, and then they just seem they. This is I feel like this is the second week in a row they played Thursday night last week against Miami, where they just couldn't get Jamar Chase the football. The I think his first catch two weeks ago was a halfback toss pass to get Jamar Chase involved. You could just see he catches a frustration even yesterday. Like they're trying to get him on these Philly specials and these end around. It's just why can't they just drop back and deliver the ball to him? And have him be and have him be awesome. I mean, t- ten targets, but he only had another one. They only had like twelve fantasy points or something on his ten targets. So I don't know. We'll see if they can if they can get it rolling here. I mean, they owned owned the Ravens last year. I mean, that's where that's where Jamar Chase and um, and this whole team, Joe Burrow, did their damage two weeks against against the Ravens during the year. So it's really disappointing to see this performance out of them.
0: Yeah, we did see the Bengals turn it on late last season as well. Joe Burrow, in particular, turned it on late last season. Last year, it was further removed from the ACL tear of the year before. This time, he did have the preseason appendectomy. So, you know, maybe he's catching up on his physical readiness, but it's getting to be a little bit late in the season to, you know, blame that. So we'll see how things progress here. Unfortunately, like you just have to play Jamar Chase and be disappointed with what you get, but at, at least he's not killing you. So, you know, we'll see where things go. Samaje Pirine beat Joe Mixon by one target in this game as well, but Joe Mixon led him by 10 routes. So that's one of those where you say, man, I wish that didn't happen, but it's not really something to worry about or adjust um, our expectations going forward. We would certainly like to get more yards per carry from Joe Mixon, but you know, similarly, you just play him and, and take what you get at this point on the Baltimore side, no Rashad Bateman, which obviously we hate. Um, playing time up for Devin Duvernay in this game. He was even with DeMarcus Robinson in that category, but he was clearly much more of an offensive focal point in this game. Only Duvernay and Mark Andrews had more than two targets for the Ravens in this game. And Duvernay also had three carries. So they were trying to get Devin Duvernay the ball in this game. That's worth keeping in mind. It doesn't make him like a must start if Rashad Bateman remains out going forward, but. It makes him an interesting guy in deeper lineup decisions, especially now that we're getting into bye weeks.
1: For sure, yeah, it's it's interesting to get you know the different different pieces, Um, the Demarcus Robinson, the Devin Duvernay, and you know Lamar. Lamar's a guy that this is like a second or third bad week this already this year, five five weeks in. I mean, he's the passing isn't there, but again, the weapons. I mean, he doesn't have a lot a lot lots to throw to. Mark Andrews was. Awesome again, but and did Devard Duvernay look looks good too? Like he's he's a guy that we expected maybe a little bit more from last year, but he looks good. They got him involved, uh, three carries. Nice to see, you know. So Duvernay's a guy that I would be willing to start moving forward, um, as long as he's the, the, the number one receiver that that week, depending on an injury. The Bengals defense is also something we probably need to give a little bit more
0: credit to. They entered this week as number seven in overall defensive DVOA, according to football outsiders. So we've just come to expect it to be a soft spot, but maybe it's something that's all of a sudden, you know, it's not something where you're going to bench Lamar Jackson, but maybe you say,
1: oh, maybe Lamar Jackson's not going to explode
0: this week for me.
1: Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just been, been interesting. Even the play calling was. I mean, they were winning like most of first half yesterday, you know, Dobbins lo- looked good, you know, Eight and then he has eight only eight carries on the game. Like and this could have been a game where you you know you're you're, you're without your top receiver in, in Bateman, you go out there you can run the ball a little bit. You're having success running the ball. Even Kenyon Drake looks pretty good on some, some of those runs, and you just don't run you don't you don't run the ball at all. So I just find that very interesting. And and so um yeah the play calling was was odd, but Dobbins I feel like should have should have got the ball way more than than he did. Um, but the the run game should be okay moving forward. I don't want to have to mention Lamar because he's a guy that's just could pop off for massive weeks, but this is the th- This is the third week where he just can barely, I, I don't, did he even get to 200 passing yards yesterday? I don't, I don't think he did. So sure. it's just tough to, he, I think he had like 120 a little late in the game. So I don't, uh, I don't think he got there, but um, yeah, 174. Yeah. 174. I mean, that's gross again, not a lot of weapons there, but still you got, I mean, it's 2022. You, you got to get over 200 passing yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, J.K. Dobbins played no snaps at all in the fourth quarter. He, John Harbaugh said afterward that he was just on a pitch count. It wasn't like an injury setback, but he played nine fewer snaps than in week four, uh, one fewer snap even than his first game of the season. So I don't know why you would have to have Dobbins on that much of a pitch count in his third appearance, especially in a close game in the fourth quarter. So I, I think the takeaway here is just that you have to consider J.K. Dobbins, hopefully not a fantasy starter right now uh, until the workload picks up. Somebody you can use if you need to, but like this is the risk: is even if they need some help on offense, they're not forcing J.K. Dobbins into the game.
1: Right, right. Which was silly, and I thought that that they should have done that. But another, you know, with all the tight end injuries we, we had this week, got a guy, sneaky guy that I thought I would could sneak into a lineup. Was Isaiah likely? I thought maybe this would be the game without Bateman. Maybe he could get a couple targets. He saw two targets. He caught them both, but I feel like they could have got him a little bit more involved. If he wasn't going to be involved this week, then he's never going to be involved outside of an injury to, Martin, to to Mark Andrews. Yeah, he was actually
0: third among Ravens tight ends in playing time behind Josh Oliver. So Isaiah likely yeah. belongs on the waiver wire in most cases. Yeah. That's going to do it for this week five recap edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com Now you can find more of our recaps in the shark bite section. That's free for anybody to read. You don't have to be a DS insider. And then we're going to be moving on to week six. We'll have the free agent focus. We'll have the deep dive free agent focus for those leagues that go beyond the norm. We will have our rankings for week six up tomorrow projections, of course, that also feed into my team's pages that, give you the projections and the starter recommendations for your specific team in your specific scoring formats. Make sure you're a DS insider to take advantage of all of that. Uh, And then of course, Adam, Adam, do we have a new episode of the deep end from you and Mike this week?
1: Oh yeah. Deep end. We always go Wednesday nights, giving you a little uh, preview little fab budget preview for all the high stakes leagues that roll off on Wednesday. We talk about, you know, we'll talk about week five storylines, probably a couple, hopefully a couple more coaching firings before we get to Wednesday. And it'll be a, it'll be a great show. Wednesday, 8.00 PM deep end.
0: Nice. 8.00 PM Wednesday. Join Mike and Adam right here on the draft sharks YouTube channel. As for now uh, I'm Matt Schaff for my partner, Adam Krautwurst and the entire draft sharks crew. Thanks so much for swimming with us.